0: Guys, we return to our study of uh, the, the issue of Roman Catholicism. I, I want to remind you what has spawned this. It was a um, it was a trip to Israel that we took back in October, where there were several things that were oh so cons- um, off putting that uh, it seemed to me was worthy enough for us to come back and take a look at. By the way, um, we have uh, one of our elders is in Jerusalem right now, and if you kept up with the news today, you know that there were several bad things happening in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem today so you might want to keep Dave and Sherry Hoag uh, in your prayer um, they are safe we've heard from them today and but they are over there and'll be there until Saturday um, and that is a some of a powder keg of an area these days is it not guys I um, uh, what I have sought to do uh, by, you know, I told you in the very beginning, we couldn't cover everything um, about Roman Catholicism, so I, I had to pick and choose the, the items that I was going to, you know, discuss. And I tried to pick the ones that were important, the ones that, um, that really had something to do with um, the really heartbeat, the essence of the gospel. And so... Um, um, I'm not looking at these things tonight because they are small things. In my mind, they are big things. And some of this territory we've covered a bit. Actually, uh, this part down here we've covered some, the treasury of merit. Um, But these things are related. But guys, um, when when you talk about purgatory and indulgences, you're talking about how sin is dealt with. And it seems to me that the essence of the gospel is how sin is dealt with. And so um I've chosen to, to to use this as one of our evenings because it has to do with sin and how sin um is dealt with. It's so it's an important matter, at least in my mind. Now, um there's a lot to say, there's a lot I can read you, um I it's there may be some overlap, and there may be some confusion because very frankly, ladies and gentlemen uh, I think I think what's written is confusing about these three matters, but they are related, and I hope I'll be able to explain how guys um, <clears throat> in Roman Catholicism, only those who have attained to a state of Christian perfection go immediately to heaven, uh all else go to purgatory unless of course you're guilty of um, mortal sin and if you're guilty of mortal sin in that case you go to hell as as we've already mentioned in the past um the roman catholic church holds that baptism removes all previous guilt both original and actual that is my original sin and the actual sin of my uh, that i have performed so that if, uh, theoretically, if a person were to die immediately after his baptism, he would go directly to heaven. Um, all other believers, except for Christian martyrs, by the way, Christian martyrs or Christian martyr dumb is considered something that gets you right into heaven. But all other Christian believers, according to Roman Catholicism, must go to purgatory and to pay the penalty of sins that were committed after baptism. The sacrifices uh, that that some make, like the martyrs, um, those are considered adequate. But for the rest of us, uh, you got to go to purgatory. Now, um, guys, indulgences—the second thing in my little list here—are um, not available to people who have committed mortal sin, unless or until. They confess to a priest and receive absolution. So if you as a Roman Catholic have committed a mortal sin and you have not gone to confession and been absolved from that, then you too die, or you die in that, you die in mortal sin, you go to hell. The priest forgives only mortal sins in the confessional, uh, which of course saves the soul from hell. He does not forgive venial sins. Remember, we've made the distinction between mortal and venial. One of the problems, one of the confusing things is there is no comprehensive list as to what is mortal and what is venial. But only mortal sins are forgiven in the confessional. The confessional does not deal with venial sins. I make that point to say this. Um, For venial sins... Those have to be burned off in the flames of purgatory after death. And that's what purgatory means. It means purge. So, if you're, if you're guilty of mortal sins, you better get to the confessional, but that's not going to be dealt with in the confessional. If you're guilty of venial sins, which is the smaller brand, then, <laughs> you've got some, you've got some, um, You've got some purgatory time in front of you. According to Roman Catholic doctrine, folks, all those dying in mortal sin go straight to hell, and masses and prayers and nothing will help you. Um, if you go to a confessional and get absolved, then then you're okay. But those other sins, um, there is a temporary punishment that remains. Uh, and that is purged away by sufferings in purgatory. So in practice, that means that every Roman Catholic, if he escapes hell, must reckon with a period that he must spend in purgatory. Now, guys, um, can you imagine the difference that that makes in a Protestant funeral versus a Roman Catholic funeral. Um, I mean, if you're a Roman Catholic and you having your funeral, your family, your family is sad enough, <laughs> but your your family must consider that you, as their loved one, is right now spending some period of time be, having. Sin purged away in purgatory, um, and so there's this dreadful tone uh, that kind of hovers over a Roman Catholic semin- uh, a funeral, particularly if you are poor, I mean financially poor, because if you've got money, your loved ones will spend less time in these unquenchable fires, Which, by the way, makes God a respecter of persons. And um, I would add, no small wonder, that the Roman Catholic Church is so incredibly wealthy. Because if you are a family member, surely some of the money that you've got would go towards helping your friends, your, your family members. At least I would hope if you have some kind of family harmony. Now, let me read you, again, uh, I have sought to, throughout this whole series, to read you from Roman Catholic documents. I am reading you from the Baltimore Confession. And it is defining an indulgence. This is not my definition. This is a Roman Catholic definition of indulgences. And I quote, An indulgence is the remission in whole or in part of the temporal punishment due to sin. There are two kinds of indulgences. This was, by the way, new to me. I did not know this. There are two kinds of indulgences, plenary and partial. This might be a new word to you. Plenary, it simply means full. There are two kinds of indulgences, plenary and partial. A plenary indulgence is, is the full remission of the temporal part of the temporal punishment due to sin. To gain an indulgence, we must be in the state of grace, the result of a satisfactory confession to a priest, and perform the works enjoined. That is, to get it. You, you can't even get any of this unless you're in a state of grace. And to get into a state of grace, uh, you must have made a satisfactory confession to a priest and performed the works that he's assigned for you. Here's another definition uh, of an, uh, uh, in uh, the Catechism. That was the Baltimore. This is uh, another Catechism defines or explain defines indulgences as a remission of that temporal punishment, which even after sin is forgiven, has yet to be suffered either here or in purgatory. Now, guys, can can I just point out a little bit of inconsistency in that? Just, Just listen to this. A remission of that temporal punishment, which even after sin is forgiven, has to be suffered. Well, if it's forgiven, why do I still have to pay for it? It's like telling a criminal that your crime has been forgiven, but you still have to go to prison. And by the way, this, this distinction, this distinction between plenary and partial indulgences. Listen to this. The late Pope John XXIII in 1958 granted a plenary indulgence, now does everybody know what a plenary is? I'll read it to you again. Is the full remission of the temporal punishment due to sin. In 1958, Pope John XXIII granted a plenary indulgence to all who attended his coronation ceremony or listened by audio or viewed the ceremony by television or newsreel. Now, if you miss that, ladies and gentlemen, you're in big trouble. Of course, I wasn't even born in 1958. <laughs> Just a joke. Um, now, and again, uh, by the way, these are plenary plenary indulgences. Again, on Easter Sunday, 1961... He granted a plenary indulgence to all who attended the Easter observance in St. Peter's Square in Rome. Most indulgences are partial. But the Roman Catholic Church is careful to point out that only God knows exactly how much of the temporal punishment is taken away by an indulgence. Now, guys, um, imagine a plenary indulgence being distributed If you attend a worship service, the Easter worship service in St. Peter's, let me tell you, that's a that's a nice little advantage to have. And I'd go in debt to go to go be a part of that because the pope was granting me a plenary indulgence for uh, the temporal punishments of my sin. That meant I was able to then bypass purgatory because I went to an Easter service at St. Peter's. Again, that's good if you're rich and can't afford the airfare, but for the poor, who can't get there? Um, guys, um, the doctrine of purgatory is based on the assumption that while God forgives sin, his justice nevertheless demands that the sinner must suffer some kind of punishment that is due to him for his sin while before he is allowed to enter heaven. Now, gang, I, I said at the very beginning, I've tried to choose subjects that were meaty, that were substantive, that were not peripheral things, that were, that were at the heart of the matter. Purgatory is based on this assumption, that although God forgives sin, there is still some punishment that you must endure, um... For your sin, before you can be allowed into heaven. Now you tell me, what does that do to a gospel of pure and beautiful and free grace? Just that. First of all, it is so, I've already pointed this out, but it is so incredibly contradictory that although God forgives sin, you've got to go pay for it. That doesn't make any sense. But worse, that you've got to go pay for it because, because it hasn't been paid for. And we in the evangelical Protestant community glory in the fact that sin has been paid for in total. That is enough, just, just purgatory. Forget the whole issue of sola fides that we looked at for three weeks back in January. This one issue is a frontal assault on the gospel that we preach. Um, Roman Catholicism teaches that the souls of people are in purgatory and suffering great torment in the flames and that they are unable to help themselves themselves. That not even God can help them until His justice has been satisfied. Do those words ring a bell until His justice has been satisfied? Ladies and gentlemen, I shouldn't do this because we don't really have time for me to do this, but l- let me do this. I've done this before in a sermon and people still talk about this word. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus Christ was on the cross, He, had, you know, He, there's seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. People preach those things all the time one of those sayings is it is finished okay that's that's one of the... it's translated in all of your english bibles pretty much that way unfortunately that's a a, a tad misleading uh it's it's correct but it's a tad misleading the uh, the greek word is to telestai um its the root is telos which means end but it's um the the, the tense of this greek word is, is the um is the, is the important thing. Uh, it, it's, it's in the perfect tense, and the perfect tense describes an action that was begun and completed in the past, but has present lasting benefit or present and lasting effects. Do you get that? The perfect tense in the Greek language describes an act that was begun and completed in the past, but has present ramifications. When Jesus Christ hung from the cross and said, It is finished, this is the word that he used. It was one word. It's translated by three in English. It was one word. It is finished. Now, the the, the kicker is, not only is the perfect tense so gloriously beautiful that Jesus began an act and completed the act in the past, but it has present lasting effects in the present. Not only is that wonderful, The 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 story goes like this, and you've heard the story, I think, that uh, in 1952 or 4, a little shepherd boy was playing around some caves and around the Dead Sea, and he threw a, a rock into one of those caves, and he heard something break. He goes into one of those caves, and he makes the most important archaeological discovery of the 20th century. It's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they found all kinds of things in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they've got them in all these uh, museums all over the world. Some of them in London. Some of them in Jerusalem. But one of the things they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls were hundreds, yea, even thousands of things called bills of lading. They were receipts. I went and got my oil change the other day. And once I paid my $37, they gave me a receipt. They found thousands of these things in the... Um, In the the, the Dead Sea scroll. In the the caves around the Dead Sea. Thousands. And stamped on the bottom of those receipts was this word. Tetelestai. Which meant paid in full. When Jesus Christ is hanging from the cross and he says to die what he is saying is the debt of sin that Jimmy Young owes is paid in full. This doctrine states and is based upon the fact that God's justice is not satisfied until you do some burning off of that bad stuff of yours over here in purgatory. Now you tell me, what is the gospel for heaven's sakes? That or this? Um, purgatory is, is, um, is considered the special jurisdiction of the Pope. And it is his prerogative as the representative of Christ on earth to grant indulgences. Interestingly, I found this. Oh, only the Pope can grant plenary indulgences. Only the Pope can do that. Um, which cancels out all suffering. So if you watched his coronation in 1958, you're in good shape. Um, now, listen to this. Only the Pope can grant plenary indulgences, canceling out all suffering. Bishops can grant up to 40 days. And that is 40 days off your purgatory time. And parish priests can grant shorter periods not to exceed 40 days. I'm going to pick on her. She doesn't mind, though. I promise. Karen and Tom Jordan went to Israel. We walked into the 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 um, the uh, the Church of the Ascension, and Karen ran out of there. She ran out of that building saying, "This is far too upsetting," and she was right. I just had somebody tell me earlier that their friend is planning a trip, and they've got all these things planned. What they're they're going to do at stations, and do you know what they're doing, ladies and gentlemen? At station one, I got 40 days, and at station two, I got 27, and, if, and I got 13 there, and you add all your days up because you're getting indulgences that subtract from your period in purgatory. Do this, and you get 40 days. It, it's like, it's like getting a pardon from your jail time. You were sentenced to eight years, but they let you off at six years because of good behavior. And so, if you do some of those things, you can get this lesson. But ultimately, you got to go there. And every Roman Catholic's headed there because ultimately, the justice of the living God is finally and completely satisfied by. Not Christ's sufferings, your sufferings. Um, the, um, the Pope is considered to have a power that can be exercised to alleviate, shorten, or terminate the sufferings, and within limits, It is also exercised by the priests as representatives of the Pope. They can't do as long as the uh, the Pope can, but they can do some. Um, You can imagine the kind of abuses that um, may have taken place um, on the part of desperate people. Um, by the way, all these all these things have been. Um, um, this is kind of interesting. I thought uh, purgatory was first um, proclaimed an article of faith in 1439 by the Council of Florence, and later it was confirmed by the Council of Trent in 1548. And here's the point that's interesting: it took the Church 1548 years. To find this place. What about all the people who lived before that? You know, the I think I've said this before too. If the Pope has this prerogative um, over this place of insufferable fire, and if the Pope is a good man, why doesn't he empty it? How can he sit idly by and say, I've got a power to get people out of there, but I'm not going to use it? And by the way, that's where the treasure of merit comes in. The power that he has is that there is excess merit on the part of the, the person of Christ, the Virgin Mary, uh, the, the, the Holy Family, the, the, some of the saints, some of the martyrs. They had, they had more merit than they needed. And so it's deposited in the Treasury of Merit, and the Pope draws out of there to reduce this. Um, Every year, ladies and gentlemen, millions of Roman Catholics pay to obtain relief, they think, uh, of the suffering of some of their loved ones. You buy your way out, or at least you can certainly reduce it. Um, That is, your family on earth does that for you. Um, But there is not a Roman Catholic priest in the world who would claim to have a way to know when or if a soul has ever been released from purgatory. So what's the point? It is a cruel doctrine, ladies and gentlemen, but I have to say, it is probably a very lucrative one. Um, I want to show you just a couple of passages in Scripture, and, and then we'll have to quit. Oh, I got to read you this. This is this is out of a document called "Instructions for Non-Catholics." That would be us. In the sacrament of penance, God gives the priest the power to bring sinners back into the state of grace and to prevent them from falling into the abyss of hell. Moreover, after confession, some temporal punishment due to sin generally remains, and some of this punishment is taken away in the penance the priest gives you to say. You should perform other acts of penance also so that you can make up for your temporal punishment due to sin and to avoid a long stay in purgatory. The church suggests to us these forms of penance, prayer, fasting, giving alms in the name of Christ, the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, the patient suffering of the ills of life, and the gaining of indulgences, ladies and gentlemen. That's just a summary of what I've been saying to you this evening. Um, um, I want to read you a couple of passages. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can you can look at these with me. But um, the first one is in First John, chapter one. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 where we find this But if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another <clears throat> and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin Ladies and gentlemen either that is the gospel or that is Either Jesus Christ cleanses me from sin or He doesn't. Either His work is perfect or it isn't. Either He saves me or I save myself. One more. It's in Titus. It's not as clear as that one, but I love it. This is in Titus chapter three. It's such a, such a succinct statement of the gospel. Um, in Titus chapter three, verse five, we find this, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, that right there, that one clause denies all this baloney. Uh, he saved us not because of works done in, uh, done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy spirit. The reason I draw your attention to this text guys is the word or the phrase or the clause The washing of regeneration. Purgatory means purging. There's still sin. There's still filth. There's still dirtiness that has to be burned out of us. That says that I was saved, not by works of righteousness that I have done, but by the washing. The washing of regeneration. ladies and gentlemen, what this forces me to say about that is that God the Holy Spirit in his work of regeneration, he kind of dabbed a little water on me and got a little dirt off. But he didn't do the whole job and i got to finish it. As for me and my house, ladies and gentlemen, that is an assault. A frontal assault on a pure and beautiful gospel that says, Jesus saves. Um, Our Father, I, I do pray that you would help us realize the great beauty of the gospel that we preach that either Jesus saves or he doesn't. And the great hope of so many in this room is that he has saved and saved to the uttermost. That he has done his work, that the Father was pleased, and as a statement of the Father's satisfaction, he took his son from the bonds of death and brought him out of a tomb, and back to life. We love to sing it, Lord Jesus. We love to sing that you paid it all. Because if any of it was left up to us, we would find some kind of way to ruin it. But salvation belongs to the Lord. And we glory in a, a free offer of that gospel to all who will embrace Christ and him crucified. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night.